Hi, hello, and what it do. Welcome to the third episode of Bleacher Buds, a podcast all about the Chicago Cubs. My name is Johnny. I'm chilling here with my good homie, Marson. Once again, at his place down the street from beautiful Wrigley Field. We are one week away from opening day. Today, we're talking about the dudes on the mound throwing the pill, and that would be pitchers. Marson, how are you doing today, my dude? I'm doing fantastic, Johnny. Uh, life is good. Baseball is a week away. Officially, opening day is seven days from the date of this recording. And... We're lucky here in Chicago. We're going to have some fans in the stands this year. And I did not mean for that to rhyme. It just kind of worked out that way. We we are going to have some fans in the stands. And I think even more so personally exciting. You and I are both going to be some of the fans in those stands for the opening homestand next week. Um, Absolutely. I'm excited, dude. We were, we were lucky enough to score some tickets for that. I was selected for the pre-sale. Was able to get some of those for myself and Marson here. So, yeah, we're going to be at some of those opening games. And it's been a long time since I've been at a Cubs game. And I'm, I'm fucking pumped. Those it's- April games are interesting at Wrigley Field because I've had it go two ways. I've gone to an April game and gotten a sunburn. Or I've gone to an April game and it's like 40 degrees outside. You're, you bring your Cubs blanket with you and you're bundled up. They're selling hot chocolate. They're selling hot chocolate. That's when you know it's cold at Wrigley Field. And... It, I'm just excited. I don't care what the weather is going to look like. I, it could be 40 degrees and I will bundle up and prepare for the elements or it could be nice and sunny and I'll go ahead and put some sunscreen on, but man, we're going to have some baseball in person this year. I'm, I'm more excited than, than I can express right here. Um, just to give everybody a little bit of a heads up, something we plan to do because we obviously are doing this podcast now and we want to just provide as much good content to you guys as we possibly can while having as much fun as we can. So something we're going to do a little bit in the future once we both attend these games is come back and do a quick little recap episode for y'all. Let you know how our experience was going into Wrigley Field with their new touchless systems, uh, touchless payment, touchless tickets. You can order food ahead, all that fun stuff with the socially distant seating. We'll check it all out. We'll report back to you guys and we'll let you know how it went and how it goes and just kind of our overall experience with that because nobody's been at Wrigley Field since 2019 as a fan so Johnny you know what I think is not going to be happening when we're in this in the stands there and I'm kind of kind of miss this a little bit but you know when you're in the middle of a section and you have to get past like 15 people to get to your seat and then like you see the hot dog guy coming down the stands and this hot dog guy's you know selling the hot dogs he's, he's doing his, his his professional yell that they've honed over the years for hot dogs and there's not going to be anybody passing money along down the row. Like, I just remember how random it always was. The guy next to me orders a hot dog and it touches 20 people's hands. That's obviously not going to be happening this year. And not to mention that, but, like, I remember being a kid and I saw that for the first time. Like, a, a dad bought, like, five hot dogs and, like, four beers and passes, like, a $100 bill down a whole line of people. And I'm like, yo... You trust everybody here like that? That's the first time you probably touched a hundred dollar bill too. If you're going to that game as a kid, yeah. so that's yeah. that's that's you're like, wow, I've never held this much money before, but it's not mine. I have to pass it on to the next Moving guy. <laughs> along with that one, <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll be bringing that to you guys. We're really excited about that. Since the last time we have met, it's been a little bit. Just some life stuff has kind of gotten into in the way. I think. And we haven't been able to meet up as much as we had liked. We do also work 
professional jobs that sometimes suck up a lot of our lives, but we're back now here a little bit over a week later. Uh, Marcin, how have you been since that week, I guess? Life is good. I'm, I'm enjoying all the small things in life and <laughs> taking everything one day at a time and soaking it all in. And my family's healthy. All my friends, for the most part, have been healthy and okay. And I, I honestly am just appreciative of all the little things around me in my life right now. And, and that's, that's just how I am planning on going about life. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Um, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm looking to get away in a couple of weeks, go on a little staycation with the wife. That's going to be fun. Hopefully uh, get some new toys, a new laptop here this weekend as well. That should be fun, maybe. But I think that is enough about how we have been recently. Let's move on to some quick housekeeping items real quick since the last time we all talked. Uh, Austin Romine is still injured. He was going to be the backup catcher behind Wilson Contreras. Still injured. P.J. Higgins is more than likely going to take that opening day role as the backup catcher. During the spring, he's been slashing, I believe it was a cool 235, a 381, and 793 OPS. He had a pretty, so, nice, he had a pretty nice throw out at second base. For a second, I saw that highlight, and I thought it was Wilson Contreras throwing someone out at second base. Yeah, yeah. He's not a slouch behind the plate with his arm either, and... I think he's a decent backup, regardless. So David Ross says he can manage a pitching staff. So let's let's go go ahead with the, what the manager's talking about. I'll take that. Horner and Bodie are still battling out for the second base position. Both are definitely making the team for sure. I don't think that is questionable at all. I think the question more so is whether or not Horner or Bodie gets the start, and I think. Marson, if you don't mind, I'm going to go real quick. Um, <clears throat> I think Horner's going to get the starting position. I think Bodie is a little bit more valuable in being able to bounce around the field and spell some guys, and if somebody gets injured, he can help out there as well. I also think Bodie is a really clutch at-bat, so I think late in games he's going to be able to pinch hit. We're still doing pitchers hitting, um, tease for something later in the episode maybe. But pitchers are still hitting in the NL for this year, and Bodie is a great guy to come in and do some double switches and pinch hit for a hitter in a tough spot. Absolutely, and and Nico Horner only really plays second base. He's only played a handful of games at other positions, and he's definitely got a stronghold on that second base position. And I'm fine with Bodie coming off the bench. You're gonna need to give you know Chris Bryant a day off here and there. You're gonna want to give an outfielder uh, you know a day off here and there. And David Bodie will slide right in. And if you want that. Uh, prediction of yours to come true he's gonna have to have some of those clutch at bats especially later on in the year so i'm gonna be looking forward to that and to your point they do sound like an 80s cop duo too don't they they do they they really do horner and bodie on the case second base next up is jake marisnik he will be the fourth outfielder i think that is pretty set in stone i don't think that cameron maven will be the main fourth outfielder. They might keep him on the team. I don't necessarily foresee it. But yeah, Riznik's probably going to be the fourth outfielder. Really good defense to sub in later in games. He's got some good pop he's been showing as well. And the injury he had earlier in spring didn't slow him down too much. And he's looked pretty good. So I think that's a positive. And there's one more story that we got to talk about as Cubs fans. And this blew everybody's minds when this came out. But let's talk about... Jesus Camargo Corrales, who got caught by police, and this is off the baseball field, 
He got caught with 21 pounds of meth and 1.2 pounds of oxy in a Cubs duffel bag in his car. How does that happen? You could say that pitcher might not ever run out of gas. <laughs> I think. Yeah, no, Twitter Twitter went insane with this. Uh, the jokes were everywhere. The memes were everywhere. It was all over Reddit. It was wild and crazy and unfortunate, I think, that... The, co- the coaches thought he definitely brought the energy. <laughs> I, I think it's unfortunate that a minor leaguer felt like they necessarily... They maybe had to do this or didn't really have the means to not do this for say that's not to excuse their actions in in any which way shape or form they're 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 an adult they know what they were doing they're responsible for their own consequences but i don't think i also think that it can also be true that maybe minor leaguers aren't paid enough and that was really apparent last year when a lot of minor league teams got cut during the pandemic and aren't returning yeah and it's just a struggle to be a minor leaguer as any i think major leaguer will will tell you and, and reminisce about so Crazy story overall. Definitely a lot of laughs at first. And then I think it was kind of weird to see a lot of places I go to sports news and, and talk with people about it. Bring up the discussion as well. So, just weird though. It's strange. It's, it's weird. It's strange. After a strange last year, we're hearing stories like this in spring training. I mean... And that's a lot of math. That's a lot of that's math. That's so too, much that's math. Too much. I mean, there's... I just... I don't understand that. He he said he was he's told cops apparently that he was going to teach a Cubs uh or to teach a baseball clinic for kids and I mean that couldn't have been further from the truth. I mean we we got Cartel Boy over here in a Cubs uniform with a Cubs duffel bag saying he's you know following the anti-doping guidelines brought on by Major League Baseball and he's getting caught with not a little bit of meth. Getting caught with 21 pounds of meth. I mean it's like a we should do a Breaking Bad spinoff on this. Like that, I mean, it's just, it, it takes me back to Breaking Bad. One of my favorite shows. I'm sure a lot of people have watched it. I mean, it just, it's amazing that someone in that position, you know, I know you haven't made the major leagues, but you are a professional baseball player. And it, it's just unfortunate that he felt that $500 was going to be worth it. I mean, it just, obviously it was not. So moving forward. We've got a a pitching preview here, so we're going to talk about the Cubs starting five, uh, maybe six, maybe, uh, dare I say, seven, Johnny? Possibly. With that shortened season last year of just 60 games, a lot of people are predicting more pitchers are going to be used, they're going to be pulled even earlier, more reliance on the bullpen. That might be true for the Cubs, it might not. We'll let the season play out and see where that goes. Uh, If you guys listen to our most recent episode of Position Player Previews, we did our own little spin on it. So we're going to kind of do the same thing here for the pitching preview. We're going to go over who we know right now are essentially going to be the starting four. We will also discuss who we believe will fill that five spot. We've got a couple of options there. And we'll give you a couple of memories about them, expectations or below expectation ideas, some nicknames, and other fun stuff that we want to share with you guys. So I think rightly so, leading off the rotation here is Kyle Hendricks and Marson. Got the professor. Professor's going to be teaching some lessons this year in 2021. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has taken over as the number one pitcher in this rotation, and I think it's rightfully deserved. Uh, obviously his nickname's the professor because he's smart and he went to Dartmouth and 
His contract is coming in at four years, $55.5 million, and we've got him through 2023 with a vesting option in 2024. And I had to look that up, actually. Um, but that vesting option is usually based off of performance for players uh, such as uh, time incentives, plate appearances, or in a, in a pitcher's case, innings pitched, game started, and finished. So... Uh, Kyle Hendricks is coming in at 31 years old into the 2021 year, and he's got four pitches. He's got a sinker, he's got a changeup, four-seam fastball, and a cutter. His highly utilized pitch is the sinker, and that is his out pitch. He likes to get guys to swing at that sinker and ground out and make the infielders clean up after him. And Kyle Hendricks is just, he's an ace. He's definitely rightfully deserved it. He's got... One, he's got one of the highest percentiles in Major League Baseball for walks. He does not give up a lot of walks. He's 99th percentile last year in, in Major League Baseball for walks given up. That's impressive. This isn't a math pod, but that's top 1%. Exactly. And exit velocity coming in 87th percentile. Hard hit percentage 82 percentile. I mean, people will make contact against him, but it's weak. And he's throwing, he's throwing his pitches in the strike zone. And he's all about location, 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 location. He reminds me of a younger Greg Maddox, maybe Greg Maddox light. I'm not going to go ahead and start calling Kyle Hendricks, call, you know, a Greg Maddox caliber Hall of Famer. But his style and the way he pitches, the way he mixes up his location in the zone, the way he mixes up his pitches, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He just reminds me of that molded type of player. And give him a couple more gold gloves and give him some gold gloves. And yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, I think he's going to be the guy to lead this, this rotation with you Darvish gone with John Lester gone. He's the next man up. And this is going to be a really interesting Cubs rotation. It's going to be different than what we've had in years past. So uh, my favorite memory of Kyle Hendricks was his 81 pitch shutout versus the rival Cardinals. This was in a sixth start of the 2019 season. And in my opinion, Johnny, that solidified him on the scene. We knew that coming into the future that the Cubs were going to rely on him to a certain extent. So I think Kyle Hendricks is going to have a better year than projected. Right now, uh, according to Fangraphs, they're saying he's going to have a 4.14 ERA this year. I just don't see that happening. He, I, it, I think he's going to have a sub-4 ERA this year. Uh, and obviously, he's the highest projected pitcher for innings pitched this year at 178 innings pitched. I think that's pretty on par. I don't think the Cubs are going to have a 200-inning-plus pitcher this year. It's not going to happen. And he is definitely going to surpass that ERA expectation, in my opinion. I, I don't see him giving up that many runs. I think he's going to, you know, he, he definitely has that target on his back as the Cubs ace here, the staff, and he's going to be tested. But I think the fact that he doesn't walk a lot of batters, as long as he can continue that trend, that, you know, he doesn't have to even be 99th percentile in walks given up. He just needs to be in that 90 and up range, and I think he's going to be successful this year. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. All faith in, in Kyle Hendricks, as you kind of mentioned. I think he's always been a little bit underrated. I don't think people look at him as a true ace because he's not sexy and, and throwing 99 or 98. 
So I, I agree with everything you said. I think he's underrated, and I think he deserves more respect than he's been given before. He's been overshadowed by better pitchers on this Cubs staff. I mean, he's had Hugh Darvish ahead of him. He's had John Lester ahead of him. He's had Jake Arrieta back, you know, his first stint with the Cubs ahead of him. He was just kind of that fourth or fifth pitcher, but he was solid. And that's what made that Cubs rotation so dangerous in previous years was because we had solid, bonafide aces you know, in that one to two slot. And then you have guys like Kyle Hendricks who come in and don't walk a lot of guys. I mean, talk about tough pitchers to face. 100%. So moving to the next spot. Well, actually not the next spot in the rotation. To our surprise and what I think is happening is David Ross talked about this a little bit in an interview. Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies are very similar pitchers. They have a similar pitch arsenal. They're around similar speeds. Still different pitchers for sure, but still kind of similar in the stuff that they bring and, and throw to the plate in the batters. So with that, David Ross has kind of mentioned how they want to break that up a little bit. So Jake Arrieta is actually going to be the two starter. I'm going to talk about Zach Davies real quick. He will be the number three starter for the Chicago Cubs. Fun fact, I'll be seeing Zach Davies' first Wrigley Field home start on April 4th. That's the game I'm going to, so be looking out for more from that. With Zach Davies, he's been in the league as a professional since 2017 with the Milwaukee Brewers. He's on a one-year deal right now with the Chicago Cubs, kind of a show-me-what-you-got deal. I think he's looking to perform really well this year and get a bag next year and some longer contract time. His nickname, according to Baseball Reference, is Batboy. I don't know why he's called that. My first guess is that he, on a major league team, is probably one of the smaller dudes around. He's only six foot, 180 pounds. Pretty small dude for a major league lineup, so I imagine that's probably why they call him a Batboy, because he probably looks like a Batboy in the dugout. His pitch mix is, like I mentioned, pretty similar to uh, Kyle Hendricks there. He predominantly features a fastball sinker, a changeup, a cutter, and a curveball. Something interesting that I thought was cool to look at from 2019 to the 2020 season where Zach Davies had his best season in 2020. He had his best ERA. He had his best BABIP of the year. He put up a lot of the best numbers he's had. It was a shortened season, 100%, only the 60 games. But he was putting it together before that as well. He was getting better. So something I thought that was interesting from 2019 was he was throwing his sinker about 52% of the time. He was throwing his changeup 31% of the time. Moving into 2020, the changeup went up to about 41%, and the sinker came down to about 42%. So he's throwing his fastball, sinker, and his changeup at about the same rate over the season, and they're doing very different things. Uh, the sinker is obviously a little bit quicker. It's breaking a little bit to the right. With the changeup, it's just breaking down straight. So with those two pitches, he was able to really put batters away last year and did some really good things on the mound. With his percentile rankings, he's pretty good at not walking people and not giving up a lot of exit velocity. As we mentioned with Kyle Hendricks, a lot of ground balls, you're going to get the same things from Zach Davies. Again, I think that's kind of why they wanted to break them up with Arietta. In the middle there, for myself, I don't know a too much more about Zach Davies watching him other than watching him pitch against the Cubs as the Milwaukee Brewers. So I don't necessarily have a favorite memory of him. Um, I don't have a lot of favorite memories of opposite team players. 
I think my favorite memory of absent team players are when they decide to put on the Cubs jersey. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that's always a good uh, quick out answer to that question as well. So with Zach Davies exceeding or falling below expectations, I think he's definitely going to exceed expectations this year. They're projecting him to have the 4.64 ERA. 152 innings pitched. I think he'll hit the 152 innings pitched. I think his ERA will be low fours, maybe high threes. I think he'll have a good year. I don't necessarily know if he'll do the same thing that he did last year in the league, but I think that he can be pretty good. But this is Major League Baseball. It's really hard to replicate a 2.73 ERA year after year. And batters figure dudes out. So look for Zach Davies to have some tough battles next year in a division that he's pretty familiar with. Moving on, we've got a familiar face coming back to Chicago on the north side. We've got Jake Arrieta. And we miss Jake Arrieta, haven't we, Johnny? Hell yeah. I love Jake. Jake Arrieta was the former Cy Young pitcher on the Cubs staff. He, uh, his nickname is a little, I mean, I've heard Beast, I've heard Snake. I don't, I don't know if he's really one of those nickname guys or not, but... He's coming back to Chicago on a one-year, $6 million contract, and I feel this is definitely a prove-it you know, prove type of contract here for the, you know, for the Cubs this year. And it's a team-friendly deal compared to the nearly $20 million he was making a year when he was with the Phillies, but he just didn't perform up to expectations with them. Uh, to all fairness, he wasn't really playing on a great team. So Jake Arrieta is turning... 36 years old in 20 days. He's definitely on in that twilight of his career. Uh, his picks, Mitch, he's got five pitches, four which he, I mean, it's really four. He's got a sinker, which he throws 52% of the time, a slider at 23% of the time, a changeup at 17, a curveball at three, or sorry, 7.3%, and a four-seam fastball. She only throws 0.4% of the time. So he likes movement on his fastballs. He definitely relies on that. And honestly, MLB percentile rankings, he just wasn't that great. And that's just what happened once he left Chicago. He's had some injuries. He's had some things come up. And he just hadn't performed to the expectations that he had. And the Cubs saw that, and they wanted to bring him back. And I think this kind of goes off of a point that you made a couple weeks ago, Johnny, is that the Cubs are trying to take some of these pitchers that might not have had the best performance seasons the last recent years. And they're hoping that they'll perform better they're going to overperform expectations which aren't that high and they're really going to be banking on that moving forward the Cubs are definitely looking for their pitch lab and their pitching coaches and what they do with pitchers to work with a couple of guys in this rotation I think and I don't I don't blame them for trying I mean I think the Cubs have shown they've, they've been able to develop some some okay pitching over the years they were able to do some stuff with Arietta when they were able to trade him a few years ago. Obviously, Hendricks um, was traded over to us, and, and he's been able to perform pretty well. So, I mean, hopefully they can find that magic again with Arietta. I think the biggest thing with Arietta, and after looking at some of his statistics, is that he really started throwing his sinker a hell of a lot more between the uh, 2016 season, where he threw it 44% of the time, and then that jumped up in 2017 to 61% of the time. And he's been over 50% on that sinker pitch the last couple years. And he's really relying on that pitch. I think if he's able... And that's his, some of his other pitches have suffered for that. And he's not throwing them as often. And to your point, batters are going to figure that out in a heartbeat. They're going to be sitting on that sinker. They're going to be waiting for it. And they're going to be ready for it. 
And I think the key for Jake Arrieta moving forward in the next year is going to be to start mixing up his pitches again. He needs to have some variety. Uh, he doesn't need to be overpowering on the plate because that's not... It's not who he is it's anymore. It's not who he is anymore. And he's he's not that Cy Young pitcher anymore. You know, I'd be extremely surprised if Jake was even close in that Cy Young race. But, boy, would that be a pleasant surprise. You know, kind of piggybacking off of last episode's conversation about, you know, stats that we, you know, will absolutely take but are extremely high expectations. So, um, moving forward... We're going to see what we get out of them. The Cubs, I think, are really banking on some of these guys to have better years than a lot of the experts are saying, and we're just going to have to wait and see with Jake. And another one of those dudes that we're going to have to wait and see and kind of understand where the Cubs' thought process was, and we've seen a little bit of it already, is with Trevor Williams. He's going to be taking the four spot for us. Uh, Trevor Ev Williams, according to Baseball Reference. The Ev coming from the middle of Trevor. I don't know if I was if I was a Trevor. I don't know if I would like that nickname. I don't know about that, man. Ev, what up, Ev? That's like an Evan. Like if your name was Evan, I could see that being. I don't even know if I would call my homie. I have a homie named Evan. I don't know if I would call him Ev. That's weird. I don't know. I don't know. That about sounds that. like a little kid name. Like it sounds like a little kid can't pronounce your name, and that's what they call you. I don't know how he feels about Ev. That. Ev. That's what it sounds like to me, but. Trevor Williams, uh, fun story about him. His dad is originally from Chicago, worked as an usher for Wrigley Field, was very, very happy when his son signed here. So that's kind of like a fun little father-son story there. Trevor Williams remembers watching the Cubs growing up. So, so, I mean, that's pretty cool. Um, With Trevor Williams, we signed him to a one-year deal, kind of another show-me deal here. Going to see what we can get out of Trevor. He was injured a couple of years ago, and he hasn't really been the same since he injured, I believe it was, his right oblique. Just hasn't been able to throw right the same way as he did back in, uh, <clears throat> what was it, 2018 here? 14 and 10 season. That That's great. 3.1 ERA, started 31 games, had one shutout, pretty good year. Um, pitched 170 innings, so that's what the Cubs are hoping for that they can get out of him. His picks, Mitch, and usage is pretty straightforward. You see this a lot. He's got a fastball, four-seamer, a slider, changeup, and sinker. And sometimes he throws a curveball. Not too often, but he does. And those are primarily the pitches that he goes for. But the problem is none of those pitches have been working for Trevor Williams recently. Um, He had a pretty bad year last year, to be honest. Uh, looking at his baseball savant, a lot of his uh, percentile rankings are pretty low. There, a lot of blue there. He uh, led the major leagues in one uh, category last year, and that was home runs. He gave up 15 home runs. I don't like that when the wind is going to be blowing out at Wrigley Field. Neither do I. So, something that I've kind of read up a little bit on with Trevor Williams is. Part of what happened with his injury was he started fading a little bit too much to the first base side, allowing his arm to kind of go the wrong way. His fastball wasn't getting the right jump. His, his, his breaking pitches weren't breaking the way they needed to. So that's really what they're trying to work on here with Trevor Williams, and he's adjusting his slider grip to increase and decrease the pressure points on his fingers to, to throw that pitch a little bit different there. So Hopefully the Cubs can turn some magic with him and, and and continue on with my theory of turning some all right pitchers into some good pitchers, some some MLB dudes that can hold some innings for us this year. But with Trevor Williams, same thing as Zach Davies. Don't have a favorite memory. When he was on the, the, the Pirates, I remember facing him a couple of times uh, as a Cubs fan and just 
being like, man, if this dude is a, a guy in their rotation for the next couple of years, we're, we're going to have a problem. And then he got injured and, and kind of fell off there. So I think Trevor Williams will exceed some expectations this year just because the expectations for him are really low. ERA expected in the sixes. Um, That's brutal. So, no, my apologies. His ERA last year was in the six. His projection for 2021 is 4.8. I have fat fingers, and I clicked the wrong thing. My bad, guys. He's expected to have a 4.8. That's pretty high up there. I think the Cubs' defense is going to play a lot more into this year than people are saying as well. And I think a lot of these ground ball pitchers that we have here are going to benefit from that quite a bit. We've got a lot of guys relying on that sinker pitch, and that's definitely going to test the defense. I mean, the, the sinker is thrown in order to force that contact with the bat and to really rely on your defense. As long as you keep that sinker down, they're going to be hitting those ground balls. It's going to test your infield. You want to keep them away from up in the zone because that's when balls start flying out on the wavelength. You don't want that. And and we've got a few gold glovers out there in our our field. So Jay Hay. Yeah, definitely confident that balls will be caught. And I think these pitchers are going to perform a little bit better based on that. So Absolutely. Moving on, we've got... Kind of a battle for this fifth spot, Johnny. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and cover Alec Mills. Since he had the starts last year, he threw an, his first career no-hitter up in Milwaukee. And I don't know what it is with Cubs pitchers and throwing no-hitters up at Wrigley Field North up in Milwaukee. But that was a, a, a great sight to see. And uh, Alec Mills doesn't really have a nickname, although all of his teammates and announcers on TV and the radio have called him Millsy before. And I can see it. Just play off his last name. You don't need to complicate it. Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, His contract is still under team control. He's not eligible for arbitration until next year. And this is a big year for him for battling it out in arbitration. See how much he's really going to be worth. He throws five pitches. He's got a sinker at 33% of the time. Playing again off of these sinker baller pitchers for the Cubs. We're really going to be relying on that defense to make those plays. Throws a four-seam fastball 20, almost 26% of the time. Change up at 16%. Curveball at 15%. A slider at 10.1%. Uh, he is 74th percentile in the Major League Baseball in exit velocity once the ball makes contact with the bat last year, which is very good. And he is 63rd percentile in walks, so he's in the upper half, almost upper third of the league in that. And... For a guy that didn't have a lot of expectations, he sure proved himself last year that he could hang with the major leaguers. And I feel like he's going to have a shot at that fifth spot in the rotation. My favorite memory with Alec Mills, it was of that no-hitter. I mean, there's not a whole lot of sample size in terms of data with Alec Mills. But I was walking. I was not watching that Cubs game that day. I was actually on the way to the gym. And I get to the export. I walk in. And they've got all the games playing on TV. And I tuned into the Cubs game, and I saw in the captions, they mentioned that Alec Mills was was in process of a no-hitter. And it was about the seventh inning, and I completely disregarded my workout. I said, this is going to wait. I'm going to be that dude standing next to the machine just watching the TV at the gym. It was a little embarrassing, but you know what? I got to see that last third of that no-hitter, and that was really fun. And you know what? I had a great workout afterwards, too. I was pretty pumped. I was like, this guy... This you know guy who didn't have a lot of name recognition comes out there and accomplishes that. 
that's going to push me in my workout and to work harder. And I did. And that was, that was my favorite memory of Alec Mills. He's definitely uh, proved that he can hang around with the major leaguers. He's got some things to improve upon, but I'm looking forward to watching him pitch here in, in the 2021 season. He's projected at a 4.94 ERA. I think a lot of the Cubs ERA projections on this website are between four and five. I, honestly, I think those are just averages at that at the end of the day. You're going to have some guys with that under four ERA. They'll be in the threes. We'd be very lucky to have anybody with a sub three ERA in this Cubs rotation. Although it would not hurt if one of those guys had that sub three ERA. Absolutely. They're not going to overpower you. And they're not going to strike a lot of guys out, I feel. Jake Arrieta may be back in the day. And his Cy Young days, his two no-hitters he threw. He kind of had that had that going for him. But you're not going to have these overpowering Cubs pitchers this year. I think they're going to be really reliant on making uh, good you know contact when they throw those sinker balls. And they're going to rely on not walking guys. And people say it in Major League Baseball all the time. Walks will absolutely kill you. You walk the leadoff guy in an inning, and your chances of giving up a run have gone up significantly. And I really think if the Cubs can keep the ball in the zone and can miss some bats and make some weak contact that keep that exit velocity low, I think they're going to have better ex- better than expected results this year. I think this pitching staff as a whole, starting pitching staff and the bullpen, is a really big question mark. There's a lot of range in, in, in how they're all going to finish this year. And we just have to play the games and see what happens. Yeah, 100%. And that's kind of been the question mark about the Cubs. I mean, the, the bats have kind of been here here or there as well. But this year, I think a lot of it really is pushed onto the pitching and see what can happen there. And I think a lot of the experts, so to speak, out there are really pushing on the lack of Cubs pitching as the reason as to why they will underperform this year. I have to say one more concern I have with this rotation before we move on to, to our last pitcher potentially in the starting five, but the Cubs do not have a single lefty in their starting rotation. And that worries me to a certain extent that batters aren't going to have that different look from that different side of the pitching mound. And they're just going to load up with lefties. Whoever has those lefties in their lineup will try to load up on those Cubs righties because as we all know, and, and I mean, some that might not know that might be watching this is that when you have a right-handed pitcher, a left-handed batter is going to have a better, statistically, a better batting average against that pitcher and have greater success at the plate. So I think it's something to keep an eye on with the Cubs and their lack of a lefty in their rotation uh, and in their pitching staff in general. But we just got to see what happens. Yeah, maybe they, they try to pick somebody up later in the year, trade for somebody or something like that. But I I. Don't think this is the exact way the rotation and bullpen will look at the end of the year. There's got to be a lefty tossed in somewhere, you think? But I guess that depends on how the Cubs perform as well. So talking about another righty we have here, it is Adbert Alzale. Um, that is A-D-B-E-R-T, not Albert. It's Adbert Alzale. I've, I've heard a lot of people mispronounce that. Um, want to get the dude's name correct. He is a major leaguer. Put some respect on his name. He made it. He made it. He, he He's living my dream, so shit. He's still a prospect, but he's, he's just about there. He's on the cut. And he's 26. This dude is 26. Man, that's so cool. <laughs> I love it. I wish I was 26. He. <laughs> I wish I was 26 playing baseball. Like, shit, that sounds fun. Um, Adbert Alzale, he's... 
kind of a prospect and not a prospect as much anymore. He's had a few stints with the Cubs recently in the past couple years. It was just announced that he does have a fourth option to the minors, which I think the Cubs will utilize at some point this year. Whether I, I think for the developmental part of Adbert, I think what they're going to end up doing is keeping him on the rotation or on the roster for the first month until the minor leagues pick up because the minor leagues don't pick up until I think about May. Once the minor leagues start up and, and that's up and going and he can go there and get regular work and, and, and regular rotation stuff and, and kind of develop some more down there, I think they'll option him there, get him to the minors and be able to maybe pull him up later in the year and, and not put as many major league arms on his arm and, and everything like that right now. So that's kind of what I think is going to end up happening with him. Adbert Alzelay features a slider, four-seam fastball, a sinker, and a changeup last year. Those were the four pitches he relied on. He relied mostly on his slider 39.8% of the time, so he was a slider main pitcher. Four-seam fastball followed right after that at 30%, and he really liked that pitch as well. So... Not too much to dive in there. He used the changeup 8% of the time. Only 31 pitches last year was still really kind of just in a developmental stage, as you could just tell last year as well. So for him with his percentile ranking, some of the stuff that really stuck out to me, the expected slugging for him was really high. He was in the 95th percentile, so he didn't get banged around as much as people maybe thought he was going to. He also struck a lot of dudes out. Really high K percentage last year, which is good for future Adbert Elzele, I think. I think it is hopefully a good foreboding sign that he's going to be a pretty good pitcher. Uh, he'll be able to be a guy in a rotation somewhere and provide some decent major league innings. Future's bright for him. Yeah, absolutely. I just don't think right now is where he... I don't think right now the major leagues is necessarily where he needs to be. But developmentally, I think it's good to keep him here for another month until... You can kind of toss him back down. And Absolutely. Once he's back down there, that might do him some confidence boost playing against some, you know, some talent that might not be quite major league and it'll really allow him to hone his skills and to hone his pitches before making that jump back up there. He can have that one month of data as he pitches, you know, as, as he kind of hangs around if he is up in the major leagues, up in the bullpen, and they'll have some data to work with down in the minor leagues and really focus in on him. Absolutely, and that's pretty much all I got about Adbert, man. I mean, again, just a couple of short stints. I don't really know what to say about exceeding or not exceeding expectations because, I mean, like, what are the expectations for him at this point right now? Kind of just continue to develop continue and become, to develop. Absolutely. become a dude Absolutely. that can sit into the rotation. And Absolutely. I, I think a good year for Adbert Alzale is being in the mix at the end of the year as a guy either coming out of the bullpen or somebody that we can depend on for a spot start here or there in September to give some dudes some rest maybe. Absolutely. I think to wrap up our starting pitching rotation, I did want to bring these power rankings of pitchers in this Cubs expected starting five. Uh, we've got two pitchers in the top 30. We've got Kyle Hendricks coming in at 16th overall. And that's spot on, in my opinion. He definitely deserves the respect. Uh, he's definitely in that midway, you know, middle of the line ace uh, starting ranking position. And we've got Zach Davies coming in at 28th overall. We've got Alec Mills coming in at 69th overall, which that's that's pretty high, I think, for Alec Mills. For guys 
for a guy that might be fifth in our starting rotation, that's that's definitely that's up there. And then you've got Jake Arrieta at one sixty nine overall, and Trevor Williams at two twenty five. Mm-hmm. And I mean, take all these with a grain of salt. This is a lot based off of last year. On obviously, Jake Arrieta didn't have a great year last year. He didn't have a great year the year before. We're definitely on par with your opinion of the Cubs taking meh pitchers and trying to squeeze that last bit of juice out of the lemon. 100%. And I think <clears throat> I think that shows throughout the lineup after Hendricks and Davies. Davies cemented himself a little bit last year. And I think it shows with the bullpen as well because the bullpen is very much up in the air. It's confusing. It's conf- <laughs> it is a little confusing. It doesn't... It's it's not a sexy bullpen. It's like a girl sending mixed messages. Yeah, it's not a bullpen that you look at and go, damn, bring it on. Not at Let's all. Go. Not at all. I mean, maybe Craig Kimbrell a few years ago. When but Ki- when Kimbrell is right, I'll, he's on. I'll strut my stuff all day. With if if Kimbrell is right and we are up by one in the ninth inning, I'm confident. But if Kimbrell isn't right. And I'm he was scared shitless, man. And he wasn't right more often than not last year. And for the more guy, more often than not, with his tenure with the Cubs, yeah, he hasn't been right. Yeah. So that's the Kimbrel we know. He's the third highest paid closer in Major League Baseball, and I feel, especially after he held out and didn't play baseball, he wasn't signed with any team, and he was holding out asking for money because he's saying that he's worth more. For him to come out the last couple years and play the way and pitch the way he's pitched, it's just it's not a good look to me. It really isn't. And you better put your money where your mouth is. Or put your mouth where your money is, in his case. And he hasn't so far. And I don't know if I'm as confident in him. I hope that a normal offseason, a normal spring training will do him some good, but for the guy that's paid behind Jansen and Aroldis Chapman in terms of highest paid closers. I mean, yeah, the name recognition is there, but the performance really hasn't been the last couple of years. And if you look at the other dude on that list, who's right behind him, Liam Hendricks, and you tell me, Hey, you can have Kenley Jansen or Chapman, Craig Kimbrell or Liam Hendricks. Craig Kimball's on the bottom of that list for me right now. Hey, just, we, and, and that's just based on previous past performances with the Cubs. Hey, we that's had, it. we had Aroldis Chapman. We all, you know, Cubs fans from 2016 remember him. He got us there. He was fun to watch. I mean, that guy, he'd throw a pitch off the mound. You wouldn't even look to see what the batter does. You immediately looked up at the speedometer to see how high over 100 miles an hour that pitch was. And that was exciting. We were at one of those games, and it was fun as hell to watch. That was exciting. Seeing that big, tall human on that big mound get even bigger. Like, it was crazy. And to throw as hard as that guy threw. I mean... I, I know he, he had trouble hitting the strike zone, but when you're pitching that fast and you're that batter in the plate and something's coming at you, 102, 103, I mean, that's that's intimidating. I agree. So that's our take on Kimbrough. Workman is going to probably be the setup man. That's that's mainly why, why they hired him and signed him. He's had a pretty decent spring so far. He's had uh, seven innings of work. He's got a 1.29 era so he's he's performing pretty all right it is just spring training obviously though um so so not too much to to go off of there i always like to keep spring training at arm's length in a little bit of a way um guys are always working on stuff so 
basically Kimbrel, Workman, Tapera, Winkler, and Chafin, I think, are the dudes you can say will be in our bullpen this year. And we're going to see Kimbrel in the ninth, Workman in the eighth, and we're going to hope Tapera, Winkler, or Chafin can take over that 7-6 spot, I think, and really hope one or two of those dudes can can perform and, and we can rely on them. And then to further my season-long idea here of taking some all right pitchers and making them good again. We've got Adams in the bullpen. We've got Dylan Maples are both possibilities to make the team as well. If if you read any Cubs news out there or, or any Cubs tweets or articles, this is all probably pretty common knowledge for the most part, but both of them performed well before for us before Adams performed pretty well for us last year. Um, there's not much else to really speak about them, but these are all guys coming back from last year as well, and I think it speaks to what the Cubs think and believe in with their team. They're hoping that they definitely grow compared to last year. I mean, we don't have a lot of sexy arms in that bullpen, and even on paper you got Craig Kimbrell and Workman, which are two respected names. But to your point, the Cubs got a lot of guys, and they're hoping to get a couple dudes. Exactly, exactly. We got a lot of guys on this team. So the bullpen is the bullpen. That's going to continue to shape out. I always feel like bullpens never even really take full shape, at least for Cubs teams, until the third, fourth week of the season. They need to figure so, out who's going to come out there and perform. And whoever's out there performing is going to get the pitch. Right. The innings are out there for the taking. Absolutely. With with this 2021 year coming off the pandemic year, they don't want to stretch those pitchers' arms because they haven't really pit- pitched as much in the last couple of years here. And those innings are there for the taking. If you come out there in the sixth, seventh, eighth inning and you perform, you're gonna get you're gonna get to come out there in the next game. That's that's how I see it. And it's up to you know a couple guys to step up as dudes. And you want to be the guy, you got to step as step up as the dude. Exactly. Who would have thought that? Jeremy Jeffries was our our closer last I like, year. I liked I, I liked him. I liked him too. I wish I we really liked him. him back. Didn't he just get cut? He did. He did. Um, and there's and there was a rumor. There was a tweet that he sent out about maybe coming back home. Might that be with the Cubs? I. He performed well. Why not? What What have you done for me lately? Um, Bring him back. That's Jed what, Hoyer. If by any chance you are listening to this, which <laughs> you're probably not, but bring him back. Bring the man back to Chicago. He had that swag. He had that confidence. He had that like Javi Baez energy out there on the mound. He looked focused. He was he was out there and he intimidated batters. And I'd I'd welcome him back in a heartbeat. Definitely, I think he performed well. I enjoyed watching him pitch last year. I couldn't say that about a lot of the Cubs bullpen all the time. So that's the pitching, man. That's that's the way the Cubs are going to take the mound this year from the first to the ninth, and what we're going to see from the beginning to the end and it's going to change and it's going to be crazy and there's going to be fun moments and really shitty moments but it'll all be fun so i think they just kind of round this out today um marston did you you didn't have anything left on pitching you're good no i'm good um i think just the last thing we wanted to bring up if you didn't see it here well if you didn't see it online anywhere rather kyle hendricks had to play Kyle Hendricks had to play against San Diego where he tripped over the first base. Um, because the just, right fielder was about to throw him out at first base. That's a video game play, by the way. That's do, a straight-up MLB that, the show play. I do that in the show. I don't, you don't see time. that in real life. I mean, um, the fact that he had to hustle like that 
I mean, I don't know if he just wasn't hustling out out of the out of the batter's he box there. That ball. He did. He, he did, and he he. I guess he hit it a little harder than he expected, and he goes, "Oh shit, I gotta get to first base." Yeah. And the guy trips over the bag, and everybody's like hearts just skip the beat. You know, you you hate to see it. Pitchers get paid to pitch, and I loved it when Major League Baseball implemented a DH in the National League. I've been a proponent of a universal DH in Major League Baseball for at least the last 10 years. I love the idea of a DH. I consider the moment a pitcher comes up to bat during the game, especially early on in the game, unless it's like a Carlos Zambrano or someone who had that pop in his bat, that's when I go up and get a beer. That's when I go up and, and you know, go, go grab a snack out of the pantry. I, it's not a must-see at bat. You know, think about John Lester when he first signed on with the Cubs. I mean, the guy had how many major league hits when he signed on with the Cubs? Not a lot. To his credit, he improved massively. He wasn't by any means a great batter out in the box, but he took something that he wasn't great at and at least worked on it and got better at it. But to, to my point, pitchers need to pitch. You get paid to pitch. The American League pitchers pitch. They don't have to bat. I don't see any reason why the National League should keep letting pitchers come up to the plate, risk getting hit by a pitch, risk getting injured on a freak baseball, you know, base path running play. Um, It's not worth it. You don't want to see your stars go down. Your stars on the mound. You don't want to see those guys going out and hurting themselves in other aspects of the game. It hurts the game as a whole, in my opinion. Marson, I'm going to do some mental gymnastics with you real quick. Let's go. We're of the age where you can maybe like say, like, oh, we're new age baseball, we're old school baseball, whatever. But my opinion used to be I liked the pitchers pitching. I thought it was I, – I liked the strategy of it. I liked the double switches. I liked thinking, oh, do you maybe want to batch your pitcher eighth and move them up a little bit? I love all of the strategy that goes into it. But something that started happening a few years ago that I absolutely cannot stand, and it's, it is going to continue in MLB, and I, I still can't stand it, but it's whatever. I still love baseball. Is Pitchers getting pulled in the fifth and early sixth innings. I hate it. Because they're coming up to bat. I love seeing pitchers go into the late sixth, seventh, eighth inning. Hell, throw a complete game. Absolutely. Shutty. Let's absolutely. do it, baby. Absolutely. I love it. And I, I really like the old school strategy. So if you're an old baseball head out there and you like the old school style of pitchers going seven, eight innings, and then you have a dude in the bullpen come out and be that dude and shut it down. And then you do two pitchers for the whole game. If you like that old school strategy, put the DH in, put the DH in. You're not going to have batters coming up to bat in critical pitchers coming up to bat in critical situations. They're not going to be getting pulled. There's not going to be weird double switches. They're not going to be dead at bats where just nothing happens now. Yeah. And your pitchers can stay in the game. It, the amount of times I've been upset that a manager has pulled a pitcher from batting because they didn't want him to bat, but he was pitching well, yeah. has infuriated me. Absolutely. And I hate seeing it. Absolutely. So let these dudes, like you said, be pitchers, go out there, throw that pill, and get it done. Keep absolutely. them in the game. Let them pitch and do what they were they want to do. Absolutely. I absolutely if you agree. If you really want pitchers to hit, do something funky and weird at the All-Star game and have like a Little League pitcher's stadium home run derby. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what pitcher would sign up for that, but hey, hey, that's fine. And keep him healthy. And maybe that's because pitchers don't want to fucking hit. No, keep him safe. Keep him healthy. I just, I, I, I hate to see, you know, I'd hate to see Kyle Hendricks actually get hurt on a play like that. You know, it's a spring training game. It is absolutely meaningless outside of getting warmed up for the season. You hate to see someone go down, especially the ace of our staff. You know, he luckily for him, he bounced back right up and laughed about it. But deep down, he's probably thinking in his head too, why the hell do I even have to bat here? Baseball is not basketball or football in the terms of one dude can make such an impact on a team. It's a team sport. It's a team sport. And if you lose your ace, you're hurting. You're losing a whole lot. You're, hurt. you're hurting. You're so putting you a need, lot of stress you need, on your other guys. You need every player a lot more than in you do in baseball than than a lot of other popular sports. So let the pitchers just pitch, man, and and do it that way, and and I think that works out. So. It was a dream come true last year watching the 2020 year with the universal DH. Oh, I know it was pandemic. This driven. is the last year people are having this conversation. It's coming in the next CBA next year, but that's a whole other conversation and a whole other episode probably because. Uh, we could talk about all that stuff for a while if we got enough into it, I bet. So that's pretty much everything we have for this episode of Pitching Preview for Bleacher Buds. Again, we really appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to this, whether this is your first, second, or third time. Thank you so much. Uh, we are up on all major streaming platforms. Share it with your friends, family, Anybody like that, even if you don't know, even if you know somebody who's not that into baseball, um, definitely share it with them. I've shared it with a couple of my friends who don't care about baseball at all, and they, they said, hey, they kept me entertained for an hour or so, so so that was fun. Um, we're available on all the major platforms, and if you can, on Apple Podcasts, leave a review because that super helps things and the algorithm and all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, there's our email out there as well, so let us know what you guys think, and once we have some stuff up on twitter that we can share with you guys and maybe some live cubs game updates from when i go on sunday in a couple weeks we'll share that as well so one week so opening day we wish all of you a great weekend and thank you for tuning in to bleacher buds